1: You're listening to the Talking OTC Commodities podcast series, brought to you by the Global Commodities team at EEX Group. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Mervyn Jones, and you're very welcome to the fifth episode of Talking OTC Commodities, brought to you by EEX Group. Now, today we're going to focus on Japanese power. As you may already know, EEX has announced its intentions this year that they will enter this market in May 2020. So today's podcast, um, we'd really like to give you a comprehensive overview of our work to date in this market, examine the dynamics of the Japanese power market itself, and perhaps even touch on our hopes and expectations uh, for this market. Now, you'll be pleased to know that it won't just be me wobbling on for 30 minutes, thankfully, I'm very pleased to be joined by two leading players in the EEX Japan Power Project. Firstly, we have uh, Stefan Riediger, Director of Power Derivatives. And last, but certainly not least, uh, we're joined by Stefan Curler, Chief Operating Officer at EEX, who's responsible for the Asia business. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning, Michael. Morning, Michael. Hello. Hello. I've just realized something. Um, we might have a bit of a problem here having two Stefans contributing. So, how are we going to differentiate you guys?
0: I'm the older one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's just go with Stefan K and Stefan R and, uh, and we'll take it from there, shall we? So, let's go back to the very beginning. Stefan, how did this Japanese project come to life?
2: Yeah, thanks, Michael. I mean, Looking back in history of the Japan Power Project here at EX means also going back in history of the EX Group. As you know, Michael, I mean uh, we have a vast experience in building power derivatives markets, liquid power derivatives markets around the globe, yeah. And already since a couple of years now, EX is the number one when it comes to power trading worldwide. And so, in the course of the regulation of the Japanese market over the past few years, say 2016, 2017 market participants in japan but also the local regulator were looking at let me say so best practices around the world and we were truly excited that um, around 2018 we were approached by market participants from japan who asked us if we could support in building the power market in japan we exchanged some ideas with market participants there about potential market design and also engaged in discussions with the local regulators in Japan. And may I say so, we immediately felt a level of support from market participants, not only in Japan, but also from the regulators there. Yeah, so, namely, Ministry, Economy of, um, Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, METI. And we were really grateful for the support that we have received for that project from the start. And so finally, when we started to discuss the ideas uh, about such Japanese power offering, not only with the Japanese market participants, but also with the international client base, we perceived a level of, say, excitement in the industry. Yeah. So there are many companies who are already active market participants at EX, and who are also expanding their businesses overseas, into Japan particularly, um, as the deregulation is going on there. So Michael, if you want to say so, The EEX started to look into that project two years ago, and in a short time, it turned out to be like a puzzle where all the pieces fit perfectly together. Japanese players keen to develop a power market, international players trying to build a business in Japan, EEX bringing a vast experience in building markets, and a regulator in Japan who has been incredibly supportive on their journey so far.
1: Okay. Um, just one thing I thought of there, Stefan. I mean, there's, there's some people that, that may not be familiar with our Japan power project. So in a nutshell, can you explain what it is we're actually launching?
2: It's basically, it's a set of cash settled contracts. Yeah, So settled against the average price established in the physical spot market in Japan. Typically, such cash settled contracts, at least from my point of view, are the natural next step in the development of the market. So there is already a strong and very liquid wholesale spot market traded at the JEPX, the Japan Power Exchange. And as we all know, power prices are volatile. So market participants want to hatch against such volatile price risk and they can do this either by going into bilateral trading um, contracts or they can use cleared derivatives cleared by an exchange such as the EEX. So why do people prefer to go cleared and uh, are keen to see us, EEX, launching the contract? where well, you don't need then all these bilateral trading agreements in place. Yeah, So you can clear a derivatives contract much, much easier and you can start trading these contracts much, much easier. if you would go into the bilateral market and on top of that the the product that we launch helps you to mitigate not only the price risk but also your uh, counterparty credit risk because if one counterpart defaults then our clearinghouse will stand in and take over the payment obligation i think that should give a rough overview of what we have in mind um bringing to the market there
1: yeah that's pretty much it i mean for those um You know, a lot of people may not know about Japan, but there seems to be a lot of similarities between where Japan is now and where Germany was 20 years ago. Stefan K., would you say that's a fair comment?
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, the other Stefan already explained it, uh, and uh, many things that we see currently in the Japanese market reminds us of uh, our, may I say so, the German situation years ago. So if you go back time, uh, some when towards the end of the 90s when deregulation was decided in Germany. We kind of faced the same situation. All of a sudden, the big power producers were exposed to price risks they needed to manage. And the proper vehicle to do so is in many areas and in many markets an exchange offering. This is absolutely comparable uh, um, if you look at Germany, if you look at Japan now. Um, One specific thing about us is, I think it's fair to say that EEX was, so to speak, born by the physical players that came and do come from the energy uh, business and the power markets. And that is absolutely comparable to the situation that we are now enjoying in Japan. It's actually a very close contact with primarily the power producers there that have the same challenge Uh, in front of them, if we compared that to the German situation, and they are asking very similar questions, and this is the particular reason why we think we can be of service there.
1: Um, So here's a question that I get time and time again, so I thought it would be good to to put it to you guys. You know, isn't it odd that a company that has, you know, a rich history in Europe, I mean, the clues in the name, European Energy Exchange, EEX, isn't it... um, Isn't it all that a company
0: like that um, would launch a product in Japan? Well, I think, Michael, the, the, the answer is pretty simple. Exchange business is indeed an international, if not to say a global business. Again, if you go back in time, when Deutsche Börse acquired the majority share in EEX, actually the common interest on both sides of the table was indeed the understanding that If you want to grow this business, you need to go abroad. And remember, EEX started not as a European exchange. Indeed, it started as a German power exchange, right? And this was the time when Deutsche Börse stepped in and said, why don't you go international? And EEX had this ambition. And now I think it's fair to say that we have very well organized all the main power markets in Europe. We went to another time zone two years ago, we established an offering in the US, and I think it now comes as a logical consequence that we have the ambition to extend our distribution network to the Asian time zone. Of course, we are very grateful that we are now invited by the Japanese market participants to join forces.
1: So Stefan, how did you set about you know, building a customer base in Japan. I mean, I've worked with you guys for for a number of years, um, and I know for a fact that neither of you speak Japanese. Was was that difficult when when you were setting up?
2: Yeah, well, speaking, or may I say, so not speaking Japanese was never really an issue, Michael. Yeah, I was, to be very honest with you, quite sceptical in the beginning as well, when we started this entire journey two years ago. However, it turned out, despite the fact that we did not have a Japanese speaker on board in the beginning, market participants in Japan welcomed us really warmly, and we quickly found common ground to simply speak in English. Huh? Let me give you an example. I mean, our colleague, Erland Engelstad, working in our Singapore office, he moved to Tokyo last year and lived there for more than six months, and he didn't speak Japanese at all but managed to build relations with, I tend to say, the entire market there, yeah? But you're right, Michael, I mean, of course, it's important to have Japanese native speakers on board in order to develop such a market, yeah? And therefore, we were really happy that by mid of last year, um, our colleague Ellie Senaga um, joined our team, and she obviously helped us tremendously to expand our relations in Japan. But I don't think that's the end of the story. Yeah, so Stefan K, maybe you want to say a bit about our plans also um, for the future of our presence in Japan.
0: Um, I think it is something that you all know. Uh, It has already been communicated to the market. Uh, eX is going to open an office in Tokyo. And this should not come as a surprise as we have done this in other markets. It's our attitude that whenever local specifics require local treatment, we are happy to open offices, bring local people on the ground to have as, a clo- as close as possible treatment of the of the respective customers. Here's
1: a question for both of you: How have you found working in a completely new business culture? Has it been challenging? Has it been difficult?
2: I go first. Well, my personal uh, kind of like resume after like uh, two years working on that is. Um, Working in the Japanese business culture is a very, very open, trustful, and um, let me say, very honest relationship, yeah? So uh, we've been very, very grateful for all the feedbacks that we have received on that journey over the past few years. I mean, uh, let's let's be very honest with, with you, Michael, yeah? We have had some turns to the left and to the right on that process, yeah? But all these feedbacks that we have gathered, be it from the local market participants, be it from the brokers, be it from the international clients, they have helped us shape our offering and have helped us to make it really a Japanese-centered offering. So this kind of honesty and this kind of openness couldn't have been could have been more valuable for us, to be honest. And Stefan K, have you anything to add there? It's not the first time that we went
0: abroad. Uh, We approached foreign markets several times in the uh, last couple of years. And of course, there were always cultural differences. The interesting thing is, globally, we always have one thing in common. And this is the interest in the energy trading. And in this particular case, the power trading. So may I say, and even if there was cultural differences, there's always common ground that helps to find the right answer.
1: I've been working on this project with you guys for the last year or so, and one of the things that, that really blew me away was the level of engagement and support, um, both from the domestic market in Japan and also internationally. Uh, here's a question for you, Stefan. Why do you think this project has caught people's imaginations?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, it was um, no question in the beginning why people would look at this with excitement. Yeah? Because it's a huge market. It's not only huge, but it's also liberalized. And by saying huge and liberalized, I mean it's the fourth largest power market in the world. When looking at the physical size, we're talking about 1,000 terawatt hours per year electricity consumption. Just to put this into perspective, yeah, this is twice the size of the German power market in terms of the physical energy consumption. So Japan is just behind China, the U.S., where we already have a very strong presence as EEX Group, India, and then already comes Japan. So, I have had market participants telling me that Japan is a so-called sleeping beauty when it comes to power markets, because it's a country without any interconnectors. Let's face it; I mean, it's it's a couple of big islands, and market participants really um, value that you can model the market nicely from a trading perspective, because you know what can be produced domestically and you know what can be shipped from the outside in terms of fuels. So therefore, there is a strong belief among the trading community that the uh, Japanese power market can become a very international, largely white traded market, such as German power, for example. Yeah? It will just take a bit of time. And
1: Stefan K, anything more for you to add there?
2: I absolutely agree to what Stefan
0: said. Uh, may I add another piece of the puzzle, so to speak? Um, maybe what Stefan said is more the market view, and I try to summarize a bit uh, the EX perspective. For the third year in a row now, we are the biggest power exchange in the world. This is certainly to some kind of extent our success, but it is first and foremost, the success of, the, of our customers and the market participants that helped us to grow the business, right? And to grow the business geographically. So when EEX communicated to the market together with the Japanese partners, that we would go to Japan and shape an offering there. Obviously, that had somewhat a signaling effect. And uh, I think it's okay if I let you know that there is a number of international market participants that approached me who said Steffen, in the end of the day, it was the fact that the EX brand was attached to such initiative that helped me fighting for this initiative internally to get the respective resources. And now we put it on highest priority because we know it's, it's coming from the Japanese market participants. It's coming from the Japanese regulator. They look for a partner. They partnered now with AEX. And this gives us good reason to believe that it will be a successful offering. And this is why we join this initiative.
1: I mean, it really is wonderful to see so much support from, from all elements of the, of the value chain now, as I said at the at the outset, um we've been working on this project for two years. Let's let's move it a little bit lighter now. Um what's been your personal highlight so far working on this on this project? And and I'll I'll ask Stefan first and then I'll come to Stefan Carter.
2: <laughs> Happy to take that question, Michael. My personal highlight, and I reflected a bit on that over the past few days. My personal highlight to be honest with you was the event in Tokyo that we had towards the end of January this year. I mean I still have that picture in mind, yeah, more than 200 people in that room in the hotel. We had this mini exhibition around and it to me it was it was a great success um to see so many market participants not only from Japan but from all over the round, all over the world joining us for that event and coming to Tokyo to listen to our story and to EEX announcing the launch date 18th of May. I think that gave a very, very strong signal of support that we appreciate from the entire value chain. I mean, we had not only market participants, so traders there, but brokers, utilities, clearing banks, technology providers, again from all over the globe and it was, it was fantastic to see how the industry connected with each other. So I think that perfectly shows that we are part of an industry journey and to me that was clearly the biggest highlight so far.
1: And Stefan K what about you?
2: Uh, a bit
0: uh, more personal anecdote, uh, certainly something that I will never forget uh, is and was my first visit to Tokyo. I was very warmly welcomed and uh, the fact that with people that I only knew for a couple of hours, all of a sudden I uh, stood arm in arm singing same songs uh, is something that I will never forget. I enjoyed it a lot. I'd, but have to admit, I have not enjoyed this or uh, experienced this in the European or the US time zone.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, so that's the that's the nice question. So here comes the nasty question. We've looked at your personal highlights. What's been the the biggest challenges so far, uh, Stefan? Do you want to take that first?
2: Yeah, I think that's well. Uh, an easy question to answer, Michael, because looking at uh, where the world is at the moment, uh, let's face it, we are in a state of a global crisis. Yeah? So the coronavirus, without any question, is the biggest challenge um, that we had to face and are still facing on this journey. Yeah? I mean, Japan is in a state of emergency. All over Europe is in a state of emergency. The U.S. is in lockdown mode. So it's very, very complicated these days to first of all connect with the market in, in, in means of physical meetings however we as eex we will continue to support our clients our customers our partners we will do whatever we can in order to make sure that we will be ready number one but also as many partners as possible will be ready for the may 18th go live So what we do is, I mean, we have moved from physical presence, meetings, workshops, seminars to a lot of digital presence. Yeah. So I cannot count the video calls, the um, webinars, the telephone conferences that we had over the past few weeks, because what is important for us is to continue the dialogue with the market in these challenging times.
1: And Stefan K, what about you? What do you think?
2: I
0: totally agree with Stefan. It is in our DNA, may I say so, to uh, meet with our customers, uh, help them uh, during an admission process, uh, transfer knowledge, and so on and so on, answer questions that uh, may come up. And this obviously in these days has to be organized in a different way. Uh, lucky us, the tools are available. Uh, and we are in a continuous dialogue with our members, with uh, the customers that want to sign up to the new offering. But, of course, it is not uh, the the same that it uh, used to be. Um, other than that, it's less the challenge itself that I will remember. Um, I'm sure what I will remember is the way how so, uh, such barriers were lowered and how such barriers were overcome. Uh, And may I say, whenever you go to a different market, whenever you launch a new offering, of course there is questions uh, where you need to think what could be the right answer. So far, uh, what I can say is, there is a very constructive dialogue with all member groups, may I say so? Trading members, clearing members, ISVs, brokers, the regulator, um, power producers, power power uh, consumers. There is a very constructive dialogue. And so far, let's knock on wood, uh, whenever a a challenging question came up, we always were able jointly to find an answer.
1: That's great to hear.
0: Um, We're going to move into
1: what I call the the quick fire round now. So I'm going to fire a few questions to both of you. um, And we'll kick off with the first one. In a nutshell, what do you think that EEX brings to the table, Stefan?
2: Yeah, Michael. I mean, uh, we are the number one power exchange in the world. Yeah, that's the that's the headline that that I would put above all that. Yeah. So, why have we become the number one power exchange in the world, and why did the Japanese market participants choose us? Yeah, uh, and invited us to help develop that market. I think we have a proven track record in building liquid power markets over the past 20 years. So, without any doubt, I mean, that level of credibility, that level of reliability is unparalleled when it comes to uh, power markets and service operators uh, in the exchange sphere. Yeah. So, I think that's our main argument that we bring to the table we know how to build markets stefan k anything to add
0: yeah i do 100 percent agree with uh, stefan the sheer number of power markets that you find on the same platform and you can trade side by side or at least learn from the respective uh, price developments etc etc um, is outstanding certainly our client distribution network which is now a global one, plus uh, the well-proven processes and procedures on both trading and post-trading, or better uh, called clearing uh, um, aspects of the value chain, is something that I'm 100% sure and do agree with what Stefan said, the Japanese market participants had in
2: mind when they looked at potential partners and finally picked us. Yeah, and maybe, If I can add something here, Stefan K, I think um, if we look at the client distribution network, I think you um, explained that absolutely correct. But looking at um, the level of entry barrier, so to say, for market participants to trade Japanese power with us, I think it's incredibly low. I think we have a vast network of um, market participants from all over the globe that trade already 20 power markets in Europe with us. And Japan Power will be listed along this alongside this existing platform. So the entry barrier for existing market participants is really, really low. And also the entry barrier for Japanese park market participants is really low because we have a broad range of, of banks, clearing banks or commercial banks that provide services to clients all around the globe. And these banks are connected to the EEX, they know the processes, they know the procedures, and they are really keen to expand their businesses by onboarding Japanese market participants. So, therefore, I think in terms of the network, we have all the aspects that it needs to develop that market.
1: Okay. So, here's the $64 million question. And it's a question that I get a lot from from journalists. So, I'm going to uh, swap sides this morning, and instead of being your PR person, I'm going to become the journalist. What's the, uh, the volume expectations in the short term, Stefan?
2: Yeah, Michael, I like this question because I've heard it so many times already. Um, to be very honest with you, I mean, let's face it, the market is not only new for EEX, yeah, it's new for the entire market, yeah, so it's a market that it's still evolving. And what it takes is an education process, yeah? And we did this education process uh, with the market participants in Japan over the past 12 to 18 months. And we will continue that process, yeah? And education is it that it takes to develop a liquid market. That means that in the short term, we would be happy if there are trades on a daily basis, maybe even not that, yeah? As long as we can see that there is progress and we see more and more market participants joining that over the next few months, we would be happy. Yeah? And therefore, we will invest everything that we can in order to continue that education process and to continue the development of the market over the next 12 months.
1: And Stefan Kay, what about you? What do you think in the, uh, the short term, what's your volume expectations?
0: Michael, Steffen mentioned a very important element, and this is the number of market participants that are using this offering. So I totally understand where the question comes from, but as far as in particular, the short term success is concerned, we are actually looking at another KPI. And this is the number of uh, users plus the quality of the prices that you finally uh, would find on our platform. Because we learned that particularly in the beginning, the sheer volume is indeed a function of these two elements that I mentioned. So, cut it short, we will not judge on this initiative after three or six months. We know that this is not a sprint, it will be a marathon. We have seen and experienced this in other markets. We are there to stay and we are there to jointly with the market uh, participants develop the market and that will certainly take time. But in the beginning, we first and foremost will focus on getting users ready to use the offering and we will very closely uh, monitor the quality of the prices that are finally uh, disclosed by, uh, on our marketplace.
1: I think you maybe answered the, my next question in, in, your, in your last answer, but I'll give it to you both anyway. Um, we've looked at the short term. What's your long-term expectations? Stefan?
2: Yeah, Michael, I mean, um, here's a vision. Yeah, Here's a vision. And um, as I said earlier, Japan is twice as large in terms of the physical size than the German market. That gives you an idea of the potential that we see and why we are so engaged in the market and why we are putting our heart into this project. Because looking at the development of the German market over the past 20 years, it has become the liquid hub for power trading in Europe looking at the sheer size of the Japanese market and looking at that level of engagement from the international client base and the Japanese client base, we think all the puzzle pieces are there that it takes to develop a liquid market. Now, if you ask me, how long will it take? Well, it took the German market a couple of years until it had meaningful numbers in terms of trading volumes as a whole. Yeah? So therefore, Our long-term vision is clearly having another globally liquid traded hub, so to say. However, I'm not saying that this will take a year or two. It might take even more years. As Stefan said earlier, it's a marathon, not a sprint.
0: I totally agree with what uh, Stefan said. Uh, And just to put this into context... Keep in mind that EX Group put out a clear growth strategy. And yes, this initiative as well is supposed to support this growth strategy. Now, growth can be defined along various dimensions. Volume, of course, but there's other dimensions. We want to increase the number of markets that you can trade on our trading platform. So we want to increase our product offerings. We want to increase the customer distribution network by adding Asian, and in this particular case, Japanese customers. We want to increase the reach of the family. So if I uh, look at EEX staff, we want to bring additional people on board from the Asian time zone. So there is various dimensions along which growth can be defined. And yes, as I said, this initiative is supposed to support our overall growth strategy.
1: Thanks very much. So 18th of May, not long now, uh, when this podcast goes out, it'll be about three, three weeks to launch. Anything you'd like to say to the listeners or to the customers? Stefan?
2: I think from the bottom of my heart, a great thank you. Thank you to the entire industry for the effort and for all the feedback and for the for the very, very much trust that everyone has put into us, yeah? Because um, it's not only um, something that we were delighted, you know, to be in, part of in, it's, it's also something that, it's an obligation, yeah? An obligation for us to deliver on the 18th of May and to continue our joint efforts as an industry in developing that market.
1: And Stefan Kay, I'll leave the last word to you.
0: I'm 100% sure that this initiative will be a success and it will be the success of the market participants. The way how I experienced all the discussions, how lively they were, how open they were, is nothing that is uh, self understood. This is nothing that uh, comes out of blue sky. This is based on a lot of trust. And uh, like the other Stefan said, we are very grateful that the Japanese market participants picked us as a partner. We enjoy this open atmosphere. And as I said, this is for me, the guarantee that this initiative will be a success. Okay, guys, thank you so much
1: for your time. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to the fifth episode of Talking OTC Commodities. If you have any questions on um, our Japan Power Initiative, please feel free to uh, contact Stefan Riediger via email, uh, stefan.riedegar at eex.com. Or, of course, you can contact myself, michaelmervin jones at eex.com, and we'll make sure that the spelling of of our uh, email addresses are listed in the series notes uh, on the podcast. All I have to say now is best of luck for our launch on the 18th of May. Fingers crossed. So in the meantime, thanks very much for your time today. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next month.